0: This is Bill McMurdo and its Kingdom Well Podcast. Just the other night I was looking at a news item here on uh, television in Scotland and it was speaking about that many food banks were finding it hard to stock goods because the people who donated those goods for people who were less fortunate than themselves They themselves were feeling the pinch. So, and this was quite striking that the people who were used to, if you like, giving charity were all of a sudden becoming people who were probably in need of it themselves. Now, we could talk a lot about that and um, talk about how um, people who give charitably, um, they maybe do it for different motives motivations, and sometimes it might just be to make themselves feel good, but we're not going to get into all that, we're not going to dissect that type of thing. What we're going to look at, what I want to say is, that when the givers themselves become people who need to be given to, it tells us that the mammon system is collapsing, the Babylonian system is starting to fall apart. And we know that this has happened. I've been preaching this for years. I've preached it in good times. I've preached it in recession times. You know, a lot of people would look at you like, you know, you're two heads when you started talking about economic um, recession. Sometimes I'm talking about in good times. And even, even in some bad times, some people didn't have it bad. Some people, they still had their two cars in the driveway. They still had, you know, they still they weren't feeling much of a pinch, if any, at all. So people were looking at you like, what's he talking about? He's talking about oppression. Because what I want to say to you is this, that the system, the Antichrist system, the Babylonian system, that's always been there. It's not just appeared in recent times. I've spoken in other podcasts about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, They're in the earth today. They're riding the earth today. We've got uh, plague war and now famine and of course death is the fourth horseman and all those things produce death now again i'm not going to get into eschatological uh, conjecture or you know speculation or start talking about the antichrist is coming Um, i'm not talking about a man who is the antichrist i'm talking about the antichrist spirit now Any person who is an antichrist, and of course John in his epistle, the first epistle, tells us that there are many. And what I want to say to you today is that we're talking about the spirit of antichrist. We're not talking about a man. Now men and women can embody this, but the spirit of antichrist is really designed to impoverish you, to keep you poor, to keep you under economic bondage. Just like Israel was under bondage uh, in Egypt, um, so that's what the Antichrist spirit is the same spirit in the earth. And the Antichrist spirit will always result in bondage, economic, financial hardship, and poverty. And of course, uh, successive, when I say successive, I mean throughout history, governments that try to control the people and try to exert despotic, tyrannical systems. That they're anti systems. They're Babylonian, you know, all the different metaphors, Leviathan. Um, they are all about keeping you under oppression. Now, I want to read some scripture to you because this is uh, very important to me. i preached this for a long time, and on the surface of this, it doesn't really appear to be what we would call a kingdom wealth, prosperity scripture, but it is it is actually, and, and we'll see why. And it's in Isaiah chapter 51, and verse 16 is where we'll end up. This is the commissioning verse for uh, my own ministry. So it starts in verse 12, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Who art thou that thou shouldst be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man which shall be made as grass. Now, what the Lord is saying here is is that the fear of man is at the root of so many of our issues because we fear government. We fear, you know, there is the right type of uh, reverence for government. We're commanded to have it. We're commanded to honour the powers that be, the king, but only to the extent that they themselves are um, right with God or, or, or pursuing right policies. You know, there comes a point where they veer off and we can no longer tolerate it. And of course, I, I speak a lot, I was doing it the other day, uh, about the covenanters in Scotland, 17th century Scotland. They could no longer tolerate uh, the tyranny of the Stuart King. So so there comes a point where you have to actually uh, resist uh, tyrannical governments. Uh, resistance to tyranny as obedience to God, as it said. Then it says, verse 13, And forgettest the Lord, or Yahweh thy maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy, and where is the fury of the oppressor? What he's saying here is that the fear of man and the fear of hostile and wicked governments can actually make you forget the Lord, that can make you forget that God is in control, he's on the throne, Um, He stretched forth, the heavens laid, the foundations of the earth, in other words, God God is in control, he's the creator, and he's also the redeemer, the deliverer, the saviour, and the Lord, but It says we fear continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. In other words, we're afraid that the hostility of the oppressor, and it's talking here about hostile regimes, wicked governments, but of course the oppressor uh, is speaking really about economic bondage. You know, when the government can um, put you out of business, cancel you, it's talking about cancel culture. Uh, Shut your church down. Um, And we fear that. And so he's saying that the fear of that is really obscuring the Lord to us. Then he says something very interesting. Verse 14, the captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, or the captive exile is desperate to get set free. Now, what's a captive exile? Well, it really, in a sense... Grammatically, you could say it's uh, an oxymoron because he's talking about being captive, which is locked in, and an exile is somebody who's locked out. So what he's saying here really is, uh, by interpretation, is that we are prisoners uh, in our own territory, country, Area, regime, uh, you know, uh, re, uh, realm, sorry. And also that we're also locked out. So, what he's saying is, it's a little bit locked down when we had the lockdown going on. We were locked in, locked down, and exiled from our normal way of life, from freedom. So, it's quite a powerful little phrase the captive exile. We're both locked in, locked down, and also locked out of. Prosperity, uh, earning a living for a lot of people. They couldn't do that the same way, if at all, during lockdown. The captive exile speaks about people under bondage. Uh, Israel were captive exiles. Uh, the people of Israel were captive exiles in Egypt because they were prisoners, slaves. And they weren't allowed to go into the promised land. So the captive exile speaks about a people under oppression, bondage, and so on. The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. The, the threat of death, the threat of uh, being uh, cancelled out to the point where, uh, you know, you die, uh, and, and you go into obscurity, and... That your bread should fail. In other words, you you're capted, you're oppressed, and you uh can run out of money. You can run out of your livelihood. So, on the surface, you know, just a cursory reading, you might not think this is talking about money, talking about finances or wealth, but it's all about that. If you see it as it's written, and as the intention of the. Holy Spirit to show us that this, you know, and I believe this is a prophecy about the last days we're living in. Isaiah chapter 40 onwards tends to be about the last days, uh, people of God living in the isles, and so it's us, it's us that he's talking about here. The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, set free, delivered, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. This is economic bondage, this is oppression. This is a people under slavery. This is indentured uh, slavery. But I, this is God's answer. See, we know the situation. Gross darkness on the earth, uh, economic bondage, oppression, the four horsemen, famine, war, plague, all of it, death. But what is God's answer? And, you know, we need to hear God's answer. And, And I'm going to say this. Um... A lot of us are looking for that answer, the answer to everything that's going on. Some of us have given up. We've got our suitcases packed. We're ready for the rapture and all of that. And, you know, not engaging, not engaging with the world, with culture, with the system in the way that God would have us to engage, I believe, Uh, which is is always to bring the word to. And then we're going to look at that because the last two verses that I want us to look at here are God's answer, but it comes at a price, and the price is, uh, as I know one preacher would say, total saturation. You can't be glib about this. You can't just continue to live your ordinary life uh, and expect to break free of this oppression, and, and there's a breaking free on an individual basis. There's a breaking free in a corporate and community, and a national basis, and indeed, uh, if you want to call it, you know, the, the, a global body of Christ response, um, or, or there's a paradigm to enter, and it's interesting because, and let's just read the verses first, but I am the Lord thy God, I am Yahweh thy God, this is God's answer, I am, that I am, I am Yahweh thy God. That divided the sea whose waves roared the Lord of Hosts, or Yahweh of heavenly armies is his name. The Lord's reminding us here that he's already defeated the same spirit in Egypt and he's reminding us that what we're facing is similar to what the children of Israel faced in Egypt which is economic slavery, bondage. The house of bondage is what Egypt was known by. And so he's saying, I've already defeated this thing. I've defeated this principality, this spirit, this system that keeps trying to come upon my people. And verse 16, as I said, is the commissioning verse for this ministry, my ministry, uh, those who are involved with me in that. And it's very interesting because, you know, a little bit like Joshua, maybe thought, oh, I'm going to get one of those power rods that Moses got Now that I'm prime minister, now that I'm the leader of the nation, uh, Moses is gone. Am I going to get Moses' rod or am I going to get one of my own? But Joshua was told, no, your rod is speaking the word. Your your rod is meditating my word day and night. In other words, saturation is the answer to you, Joshua. Moses gave you five books to dig your face into and speak, put on your lips constantly and mutter and speak and obsess yourself with. You're not going to get out of economic bondage unless you're obsessed with freedom. Let me say that again, you're not going to get out of economic bondage, slavery, oppression, unless you have a magnificent obsession, uh, the the difference maker, the game changer. And, And it's nothing spectacular, folks, it's just you becoming absolutely obsessed. Saturating yourself, saturating your consciousness. There there are no shortcuts to this. Uh, you know, and, and, and my own financial breakthrough many years ago came by that revelation. You know, and the Lord said, it's not about your need. See, we're obsessed with need, we're obsessed with lack. It eats at our mind, it gnaws at us. But the answer to being obsessed with lack even at a subconscious level is to become saturated in our consciousness with supply with god shall supply um and and it's not that we focus on things we don't focus on oh well i want a mansion i want a big car we concentrate on the supply that comes from the glory and the portal to that is god's word so as you fill yourself with his word you fill yourself with supply and you allow yourself to be opened up as a portal uh, from glory realms and the supply that's in the glory, the infinite supply that God has created in glory realms comes into the earth through you. Now, the mechanics, the size of it all, you know, we can understand some of it even now and there's maybe stuff we can't understand, don't need to understand. Um, the Lord can show you, maybe if you're you're curious enough, but I, I think sometimes we, we get too uh, bogged down in the mechanics. How does this work? And, you know, all that stuff. The fact that it works and that we can work it is really what we should just be you know, delighted with. But let me read this verse. I And I have put my words, in fact, let's read the two verses. But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared, and the waves are roaring right now, aren't they? The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Let's just break that down uh, a little bit. I've put my words in thy mouth. There's God's answer. There it is right there. Oh, we're going back to the tongue of creative force. We're going back to word of faith. We're going back to speaking the word and all. Yes. And and in some respects, we're not going back to it because a lot of people know it. And, you know, some people preach it, but they don't live it. They don't do it. You know, the challenge for me, uh, and I speak about this subject a lot, about speaking the word and so on. uh, I train people in it. But, but the thing is, you can end up being a good teacher of it, but not a good practitioner of it. Because you, you have to put in the hard yards. And even sometimes, and especially sometimes when you've had breakthroughs and you're, you're in it, sometimes the answer is not to stop or coast or keep going, doing what you're doing, but to double up. Because Jesus is the Word. He doesn't stop being the Word you know, just because the Bible is in print, he doesn't say, well, you know what, I'm not going to, I don't need to speak anymore. I've spoken. Uh, Thomas Nelson printed my Bible, Zondervan, you know, all that. He, he doesn't say, well, I'll, I don't need to be the Word anymore. He's he's eternally the Word, the eternal Word, which means he's eternally speaking. And you and I, you know, meditate the Word day and night. Uh, it's not just until you're, fed up or until you're satisfied or until, you know, you you manifest a few things. No, no, I've put my words in your mouth. That's always the answer. What's the problem? You know, um, it's not just to get you out of the, the present situation. It's not just to get you to a place where you think, yeah, that's okay. I'm fine now. The word of God in your mouth has to be something that is always there. And like I said, Even in good times, especially in good times, double up. I've put my words in thy mouth, and I've covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. Now that is a metaphor for his power. The power of God is in his hand, and of course that is a a metaphor for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the power of God, as is the gospel. In other words, covering, is he's saying here, you've got my word, and you've got my spirit. You've got the anointing. You're clothed with power. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, you know, if you're baptised in the Spirit, if you're immersed, and sometimes, again, just to say this, so important, because we think the baptism the Spirit is just, you know, we've got a few goosebumps, we said a few words of tongues, and now we can speak in tongues. Immersion means engulf. You're engulfed with the power of God. You're engulfed with, the presence of God. You're engulfed with the glory of God. And Isaiah 60, it's meant to be seen on you. It's meant to show up. It's meant to appear. Um, the glory is meant to appear. And if the glory appears, then the supply will follow. If the glory appears, the gold will follow. The gold will follow the glory. Or the gold and the glory are so connected. Because, you know, what they did was they, they built a temple to house the name in ancient Israel. Solomon built that temple, and they, they, they clothed it in gold, and the glory came. You see, you have to understand that the gold and the glory are connected, and, and the, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith Yahweh of hosts. So the, the gold belongs in the temple. And so what he's saying, I've put my words in your mouth, I've covered in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, thou art my people. What he's telling us here is that the answer, the response of God, the solution, if you want to call it that, and it is a solution, is the Word and the Spirit. It's never changed. You know, think about this. We talk a lot about revival and awakening and so on. Has there ever been a revival or an awakening or a refreshing or a renewal or whatever it is? Where the Word of God and the Spirit of God just weren't required. (laughs) You could argue that some revivals, there was too much emphasis on one or the other. Amen. There was too much emphasis on the Word and we neglected the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing. You could also argue that in some revivals, you know, it just got a little bit wild because we were all about, you know, rolling around the floor and the Spirit and all that, but we weren't being serious about the Word and putting His Word into our spirit man, cramming our spirit man and uh, with the supply of God. And that's not just financial supply, folks. It's obviously other things, healing and all that. Um, so, point being, the answer has never really changed. But in our microwave world, of instant fixes, and you know, once I'll I'll make three confessions, and revival will hit, hit the land. That's how. That's what we want to happen. We want shortcuts. We want instant. You know, give me the ten verses to speak. The, the, give me give me the give me the the confession to make. Uh, and and let me just say this: speaking Bible verses, making Bible affirmations, stroke confessions, whatever. They are the answer. They're part of the answer. I've put my words in your mouth. But it isn't just, well, I'll do this for five minutes in the morning, and then I'll jump in my car, I'll go to Asda, and they'll all fall down under the power of the Spirit, and there'll be revival, and I'll open a church, and 100,000 people will come. And there's a lot of us in the body of Christ, I believe, that that's what would suit us, because then we could still come home at night and watch the football and do other things, you know, as, as long as we do our five minutes. And there are no shortcuts to this. And it's not just about, you know, uh, speaking the word. It's not just about being clothed with the Holy Ghost and fire. That There is a deep repentance needed. Uh, I don't like speaking a lot about repentance, Because it gets quite religious at times and it's like, have you repented enough? You've still not repented enough. But there is a a reality to all of this that we need to do a deep work in ourselves to allow the Lord to purge us of deep-seated stuff. Uh, It it could be generational stuff. It could be strongholds. It could be, you know, uh, sins, stuff like that. Uh, weights that easily beset us. And and I don't like the emphasis a lot of the time in the body of Christ on navel-gazing, spiritual navel-gazing, and always hunting for things that are wrong. Um, but there, there does have to be that deeper work. It's just a reality that we have to make sure that we're living right, walking right, thinking right, uh, be renewed, uh, and you're thinking, be renewed and transformed in the renewing of your mind um, so that you know, we're no longer thinking stuff that holds us back, thinking stuff that limits us, thinking stuff that keeps us in the house of bondage, It keeps us under the oppressor. See, fear, he's talking about fear. Your fear continually says, fear will keep you in the house of the oppressor. Fear will keep you tied to the antichrist system because fear is mammon. Fear is mammon. You know, they're all metaphors, and I've taught this in the past, that fear, Babylon, mammon, all these these terms that the Bible uses, they're all the opposite of living by faith in kingdom, in the kingdom. Living by faith in God's awakened economy, awake to the fact that there's darkness, that there's an economic bondage system, and that we need to be free of it. And being free of it uh, you know, uh, I listened to a wonderful man of God speaking on this just last night, and he said, he says, you know, economic bondage is the hardest to break. And it's true, you, you know, they didn't just say, stroll up, roll up to, to Pharaoh, Moses, and say, he didn't just roll up and say, hey, we're leaving, guys, thanks for everything. And Pharaoh went, yeah, sure, what do you need? That didn't happen. And, you know, Moses had the power of God with them. He had the fear of God upon them. You know, uh, I've said previously uh, that the Egyptians handed over all their precious stuff to the Israelites um, because there's a lot of fear of Moses upon them. God put the fear of Moses upon them. Uh, And yet Pharaoh hardened his heart. You see, economic bondage isn't just a roll-up, stroll-up, we're off now. We're talking here, there are no shortcuts so it takes a commitment so it, and that means there's a price to pay a lot of people don't want to pay that price they just want to say right we're out of here um you know, and and we're now going to leave the land of lack and we're going to go into the land of abundance and you're right to think that you're right to desire that you're right to make that declaration but you will be challenged when you make a decision like that you will be challenged you will be uh, that the devil do everything he can to stop you from walking out and fulfilling it. So I'm not saying that to make you uh, discouraged. I'm saying that to let you know that this is a serious business we're about. We're not just playing little mind games here. See, a lot of people want to just pretend that everyone's okay. Now that's not the same as transforming and renewing your mind completely, so that you live in a different paradigm, in a different culture, uh, in your own sphere, or or in your own thinking. You know, you have to renew your mind, and so you have to live in the reality of the kingdom. But that's not the same as just spending five minutes in the morning and saying, everything's great. You know, we're not talking Pollyanna, we're talking kingdom, wealth, faith, uh, paradigm. We're talking about living in that. We're talking about living in reality, spiritual reality. Spiritual reality is there is a promised land. You can walk in it. You can, you can walk in personal revival. And the more of us do that, I believe it, it's conducive to a corporate community uh, revival, You know, Smith Wigglesworth, John Lake, we talk about these guys, Mariah Woodworth there, we talk about them because they they were living in a different dimension from the folks around them. A much higher realm and discipline of faith and blessing and miracles and so on. Um, and, and a lot of people caught their fire, but not necessarily to their level. But what we're talking about here, we're not talking about God blessing your mess. Um, it's so important to understand. God can bless you in the Mammon system, and you can, you can have a nice house, you can have a good business, you can have plenty of money, and drive a nice car, wear nice clothes, eat the the best, you know, shop at Waitrose rather than uh, ASDA. You can do all that, but you're still under oppression. You know, some slaves live better than other slaves, and sometimes because they compromise with the system, and become. Assets of the system. You can there's a measure of that, and God God will bless somebody, even in the system of mammon, if they're you know ticking a few boxes, and and doing their best. But what we're, we're talking about here is, is Isaiah sixty realm. It's not it, Babylon has to fall, and Babylon has to fall in your own life first. And and there's coming a time and we're we're probably very close to it, I believe that, I preach it, I believe it. Where Babylon will fall out there, you know, a lot of it, the scarcity stuff that's going on, you know, the system's falling apart. Like I said, we began this message talking about, you know, the people who who gave and kept others going are no longer able to do that. They themselves are in need of, of assistance. And the reason they're in need of assistance is because the system is failing. And they can no longer function in the system and be blessed in the system because the system is falling apart. The system is deteriorating rapidly and badly. So, what we need now is a whole new system, an awakened economy, a kingdom wealth based economy. And we're not going to get there, you know, just by playing at it, by throwing a few, you know, prayers up and affirmations around where we're going to have to function uh, and a lot of us have taken on the responsibility of being pioneers in this. Now God got me into this you know over 30 years ago and I've dipped and out of it in terms of where I should have been uh, and and I've, I've experienced boom and bust more than I should have been. <laughs> Because, you know, uh, just different reasons. But the but what I'm trying to say to you is there is no easy way out of this in the sense of, well, it's just going to be that five minutes in the morning type of mentality and it shouldn't really interrupt my life. This has to be your life. This has to be, uh, you know, you have to get serious. Meditate the word day and night. We're not talking works, we're not talking striving in the flesh, we're not talking talking trying to do something in our own, whip it up, all that stuff. We're not talking that. But you'll we'll call a solemn assembly, it says in Joel. Gather the people. Uh, and and what he's saying, solemn doesn't mean, you know, that you never smile, you're poor faced, you're always glum. Solemn means serious. Be serious about this. You know. The seriousness of this has really touched me that people out there are struggling, they're living, you know. I, I was in the post office the other day, and this old lady was putting money on her gas and electric. And uh, she mentioned a figure for gas, which I think was about 40 pounds or something. And then she says, I put 650 on my electric. Now, I know. In this day and age, at this time, six pound fifty. I mean, that's nothing, nothing. So that old lady's probably sitting there, and even even the cashier in the post office said, "Excuse me, you know," as if she couldn't. Like, she was like six pound fifty. The old lady's six pound fifty. Now, this old lady's probably sitting, switching everything off, maybe putting the kettle on, and then you know, uh, but sitting maybe with three or four layers on, even though it's summertime right now. Not that warm. Because that's what we're living in. That's reality. She's a respectable old lady. She doesn't look poor or anything. But, you know, people are feeling not just the pinch. Feeling the pinch is one thing. People are starting to feel the bite, the bite of biting poverty. And that is the Antichrist system. You will be poor and own nothing. you will own nothing and be happy which is another way of saying you will be poor and you're just going to have to lump it. So the Great Reset does not suit the people, certainly not the people of God and certainly not the people out there who don't know God, that we have to have a heart for them. We have to, your souls have to be on our mind. So what I'm speaking about here with Kingdom Wealth, it's not just, oh, well, I'm going to show you how to be okay. Financially, yourself, you have to be a conduit, a vessel, uh, a channel, a means by which God can bless and meet the needs of many. Your job is to meet the needs of the people as a minister of God. And we're all ministers. It's not just those of us in fivefold ministry or those of us in pulpit ministry or full time ministry. We're all in full time ministry. And no matter what you do, you're a minister of God if you're a, if you're a Christian. So that's where we are, and that and but where we want to be, is free of the fear of man, free of the oppressive systems, and that's not going to be easy, because there's a measure of this, where, and there's a, there's a process to this, and a progressiveness of this, where God will lift us as individuals out of it all. But then there's going to be some kind of corporate and national and international and global and, and a different paradigm. And God wants to take us. But you can walk in that paradigm individually before we all walk in it. And people see the glory. People say, oh, I, I want some of that. I've got to have that in my life. I've got to join these Christians. Just like they did in the early church. They looked and, you know, it says in the early church they were afraid to join them, but, but they kept adding to their number daily you know so the fear didn't stop people it didn't stop them from saying i need what these folks have got and it's not just about economic stuff it's not just about money but let me tell you right now as we go on in this present famine and scarcity and so on and this whatever's happening in the earth right now plague war famine death as we continue in this More and more, quite frankly, it's going to be about supply. Not just money, but food, uh, heating, all of that. So we are agents of change. We are agents of transformation. We are agents of uh, laying the foundations of a new earth, planting the heavens, and that means laying new foundations. You, You don't build something on shaky foundations. The shaky foundation has been the Babylon mammon system. Babylonian, mammon economy Uh, but we need to start laying new foundations and we need to build on that and have a different economy which is based on that. there'll be no poor Um, there shall be no poor among you that was the standard Uh, and Jesus when he came says you'll always have the poor among you what he was saying was is that uh, poverty is something that you know, it makes inroads. But we have to believe God for a different economy. Um, You know, the poor will be those that are outside that economy that, that stubbornly refuse to be part of what God is doing. Just to say this to you, it's so important because I had a friend who uh, ran a ministry that uh, for homeless people. Uh, so you don't get more poor than that. And you know, anybody that's been around that sort of ministry will understand that there are people out there, they don't want the help, they don't want to be, you know, they'll, they'll take us. you know, they maybe beg, but the, a lot of the help that's offered to them, they shun, they don't want it, they don't want a bed for the night, they don't want, you know, to go to that place for a meal. So a lot of people choose poverty. Well, maybe not a lot, but some of them do. But a lot of us, I think, you know, given the the, the choice of saying you know you can be blessed all you have to do is go to church and start reading your bible and speak the word and so on a lot of people oh no 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 that's not for me so they'd rather struggle Uh, and that and you look around poverty is everywhere now we're not talking just financial poverty lack lacking what lacking peace lacking blessing lacking all the stuff that god has provided for us and, and let me just say this again, uh, I, I heard uh, this wonderful man of God, I heard last night saying this and it's true. The answer to poverty is not money, it's the blessing. And that's something the Lord has shown me, the blessing of Abraham. I teach a lot about the blessing of Abraham. You know, that's the answer to poverty. That's the answer to loneliness. That's the answer to rejection. That's the answer to family breakdown you know, the father of multitudes, Abraham, the great father of Scripture, the great patriarch. And so his blessing is the answer to everything, family, that's wrong with family. And as Abraham's servant said, uh, the Lord blessed my master in all things. So the blessing of Abraham covers all of life. It covers health and healing. It covers deliverance, all of it. You know, Jesus mentioned that the, the lady that's bent over and the synagogue was a daughter of Abraham, and she should have been set free. So Abraham's blessing is the answer to everything that's wrong in the earth today. That's why Jesus was made a curse, because what's wrong in the earth today is, is, is the curse is multiplying in many lives because people have rejected the blessing that God offers, and that blessing that Jesus became a curse to bring to us is the blessing of Abraham, to put upon the nations. So we could we could talk about this and go on, and we, of course we will, but not necessarily now in this message, we're bringing it to a close. So I'm just going to make a quick prayer, uh, and uh, then uh, over the next time we'll, we'll pick up on some of these matters. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you and praise you for your hand upon us, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, made available to us, the dunamis power, and of course, Father, the exousia authority to function as people who are building your kingdom in the earth as co-laborers with you. It's your power, it's all your kingdom, but we are given that great privilege and blessing of being part of what you're doing in the earth. Father, empower us, equip us, and enable us, Lord, and give us wisdom and understanding and revelation to know what to do in these difficult times. Father, We're not saying they're difficult times. Uh, We're confessing, Father, that these are glorious times. So we acknowledge that there's darkness around. We acknowledge that this is not going to be a picnic. But, Father, we thank you and praise you that we can live in a different reality. Not pretending that all is well, but, Father, manifesting your kingdom till all is well. Uh, So we praise you for it, Father. We thank you. May this message go out and be spread among many in Jesus' name. Well, folks, that's it for now. Until next time, the Lord bless you. Hope this has helped you this morning, and um, speak soon.